Hi, and welcome to this episode of Your Window Seat, where we at Travel Incorporated discuss the topics that matter most in this ever-changing business travel industry. I'm Tracy Carrillo, your host for today's topic, Modern Airline Retailing, Innovation or Disruption, and specifically how American Airlines NDC announcement is impacting our industry. I don't think we could have a better guest on this topic than the one and only Corey Garner, former AA executive and CEO of T2RL Travel Technology Research. Welcome, Corey, to your window seat. Thanks, Tracy. So let's start by sharing a little bit about T2RL, as I think this will really set the stage for where your thoughts and opinions are coming from as it relates to airline distribution. Well, the best way to explain it, Tracy, is we help travel sellers and corporate travel managers fix the things that we help airlines break. Uh, And to put a a finer point on that, uh, we've been around for about 20 years and we have our roots in helping airlines make their biggest technology and distribution decisions. And so what that means is we end up being right at the center of what's next in airline distribution and airline technology. And usually we're involved in what's next, maybe two, three, four years before it happens. So we're always on the leading edge. Uh, And knowing that we're on the leading edge, uh, we also help the rest of the market uh, adjust to what's coming from a technology ripple ripple effect perspective. Oh, that's the perfect person for this discussion. So thanks, Corey. So for those of our listeners who may want to put a little bit of a historic perspective um, to airline distribution and the topic of the new distribution capabilities, or what we lovingly refer to as NDC, the concept was originally intended by the airlines to break through the limitations and constraints of the legacy GDS mainframes and distribute their content through a new platform or an alternative platform that could promote their brand and provide rich contents and amenities. Thus, modern retailing. Sounds terrific. But Corey, with AA's announcement originally in December and then with more clarity during this recent earnings call, how does this approach fit that original concept or does it? Yeah, and and you're you're speaking about the right thing when you talk about the history behind the issue. And I I think it is important to get rooted in the history behind the issue a bit before we talk about Americans specifically, Uh, because this is not a new trend at all. Uh, This dates back 20 years when airlines were first trying to direct connect with, uh, with travel agencies, with, with standards that predated NDC. And just to speak from an airline's perspective, if you, if you put yourself in an airline's shoes, anytime you have a new technology project, you have to justify that to the CEO, right? And let me tell you something about airline C- CFOs. The airline CFOs do not necessarily believe in revenue-based business cases. <laughs> if you come to an airline CFO with a billion dollar business case, he or she may give you credit for 10 or $100 million of that, but they're not gonna give you credit for the billion. But if you come to them with a cost-based business case, then the situation is different. If you come with 100 million in cost savings, then you have a real conversation on your hands. And so when, as I said, we work with airlines all over the globe and have for many years now, but when we see airlines first go down the NDC path, what we find is they start with a cost-based justification 
And that cost-based justification comes from the fact that NDC opens up the ability for an airline to distribute to travel agencies outside of the GDS. That doesn't mean that their end goal is to distribute outside of the GDS because there are benefits to GDS distribution by NDC as well. And those benefits are largely from the revenue, the revenue aspects that you just mentioned. So there is a, the, the revenue aspects I break down in, in two categories. The first category is kind of ancillary and bundle benefits that most people know about and talk about. Uh, so airlines can, can grow the pie by selling more products than they did before. And that can be good for customers, can be good for the airline as well. The other part of revenue benefits that doesn't get nearly as much attention and actually should get much more attention is the concept of dynamic or continuous pricing. So dynamic and continuous pricing means a price that's calculated on the fly for a flight. It's not a price that sits passively on the shelf in Atopico. It's not constrained by the 26 letters of the alphabet. It's calculated in the moment and can be priced anywhere along the continuous demand curve. And uh, there are airlines out there that are uh, low-cost carriers that have been uh, pricing themselves as continuously priced airlines since the beginning. And now more and more we're finding that uh, the big legacy carriers are going up against these ultra-low-cost carriers in certain markets. And the big legacy carriers need to respond somehow with more granular pricing. And so it's becoming more and more of an existential matter that the big airlines be able to price continuously. And the way technology works is the, the only possibility for a legacy airline to do that through the travel agency channel is by NDC. And if you're an airline that really needs to do continuous pricing, you probably don't care whether that goes through a GDS or not through a GDS. You need to have your most competitive pricing on the shelf. So that is kind of the general context of how most airlines think about uh, this issue, starting with cost savings, growing into more of a revenue-centric strategy that has this really strong undercurrent related to con continuous pricing. Now, American Airlines. So American Airlines has been at this for a long time. It started uh, way back when I was there many eons ago. And even American strategy 15 years ago started as mostly a cost-centric strategy. It's evolved over time to be GDS inclusive. It's evolved over time to be more revenue-centric. And now with this latest iteration, American is making a big push, it appears, to drive as much adoption of NDC as possible. It doesn't matter if it's GDS or non-GDS. They just want to power up all of their indirect channels with uh, this NDC capability for the bundle purposes, the ancillary purposes. Who knows, maybe some dynamic or continuous pricing. They haven't been as uh, public about their plans in that area as other carriers have been. But uh, it, it certainly appears that they are playing a technology game. They see an opportunity to move the market forward and to grab some benefit. Uh, perhaps sooner than they otherwise might by making a relatively aggressive move. And I guess that kind of goes into the why now question. I mean, with all of the changes, challenges, and shifts in business travel as companies are still trying to get into their group, do you think this is the right timing? 
Oh, that's a that's a big question. <laughs> so um, let's talk about let's talk about why now, and then I'll give you my opinion. Um, so a couple a couple of different factors to think about. So we've just been through a pandemic, and during the pandemic, many things have changed. Uh, the mix of corporate and leisure travel has changed. Uh, corporate is not back to 100%. Uh, many are saying that it may not go back to what it was before. It will turn into something else that is in the aggregate smaller. Um, and the other thing that has changed is that uh, comparative yields between corporate traffic and leisure traffic has, has compressed. Uh, it used to be that corporate traffic came at a much higher yield than leisure traffic, and that made corporate traffic really hard to replace if an airline were ever to take any risks on, in their share in the corporate segment. But there are a number of factors that are, are playing into corporate and leisure yields starting to uh, squeeze together a bit. One of them is that uh, premium cabins are becoming more dense over over the period of time. The new aircraft that are coming in, uh, fewer have first-class cabins. The premium cabins that they do have are squeezing more seats into less space. And because of that, RM teams at airlines don't have to sell premium tickets at a high as high of a price as they used to in order to make the same money per square foot in that cabin. Um, there are demand trends happening where you've got uh, you've got revenge travel on the leisure side. You have blended travel becoming more common, and all of this is all of this is adding up to airline executives feeling a little bit more confident that if they take more risk in the corporate segment, that you know maybe that corporate volume doesn't shift to other channels, but maybe you don't feel too bad about that because you're able to backfill that with some uh, leisure volume that is more high, more high yielding than it was before. Um, <clears throat> so those contextual things are driving airlines into a position where they feel like they can take a little bit more risk than they could before. And now how that plays out airline by airline uh, can be different according to the airline's individual situation. In the case of American Airlines, you have some changes uh, at the leadership level that are happening at the same time as all these trends. Uh, some super sharp people, all very logical, uh, and and have kind of a different risk tolerance in this space than uh, prior leadership had, uh, and so and now and now you're seeing a bunch of changes all happening at the same time. So American has um, has announced their distribution strategy, uh, which I guess we can go into more detail in a minute. Uh, but at the same time as they're making changes to their distribution strategy, they're also making changes to how they deal with their relationships uh, in the travel, the TMC space and the corporate space at the same time, generally making those relationships uh, less rich in terms of commissions and, and discounts. So you see kind of a, a lot of complementary uh, changes being made all at the same time against this backdrop where airlines feel like they can take a bit more risk in the corporate space. Well, there, there's a couple of things that I want to hit on because what I've heard about where uh, American is going is really 40% of their inventory primarily going to be more along the leisure side, to your point, um, that isn't necessarily corporate flights that are typically taken. There's been a lot of discussion about whether, where and if the industry is ready. 
Okay, big topic, like what does ready even mean, let alone what the impacts are yet. So let's talk a little bit about your thoughts on the technology side first, and then about that content, that 40% and what may be more than that down the road um, as it relates to the corporate travel manager. Yep, yep, sure. Um, well, let's talk through an analogy first. I, just, I did a LinkedIn post about this a few days ago, and I think it's a really important thing that people should pay more attention to, and that is, if you compare what's happening in the corporate market now to what happened in the leisure and especially online travel agency market 10 or 12 years ago, it's basically, it's exactly the same thing playing over again. So if you go back 10 or 12 years ago, and, and let's focus on American for a second, American was completely out of Expedia and Orbitz for a period of uh, several months. And that wasn't resolved until the parties kind of all got together and, and agreed that, you know, maybe there was a path forward with NDC after all. And, and so um, the, the online travel agency market actually digested the NDC trend 10 or 12 years ago, a decade ago, and they made the changes that needed to be made in order to be ready from a commercial perspective and also from a technology perspective. So starting from the technology perspective, imagine you run an OTA. You've got a booking tool, right? That's your, that's your website. And then behind the booking tool, you've got all these systems that aggregate content from multiple places and manage your PNRs and manage your ticketing. And then you have all this mid office and back office stuff that you have to do as well. From the perspective of the OTAs, the, the advantage they have is for the most part, they're the ones who developed all that stuff. They're the ones who controlled all that stuff and they could make the decision on their own to go fix those things. And the commercials, they could work out directly with the airline. Well, now look at the corporate space. All the same work has to be done, right? Uh, the booking tool has to be ready. Whoever's doing the content aggregation, be that a GDS or somebody else on the back end, has to be ready. Your mid office processes have to be ready. Your back office processes have to be ready. And by ready, that means don't just show me the fares, let me book them. Don't let me just book them, let me ticket them. Don't let me just ticket them, let me change them, let me refund them and handle all the, the scenarios that we normally do. And so the issue with, with corporate is there are many more links in the chain that need to be solved because in the typical corporate technology architecture, the booking tool, the content aggregation, the mid office, the back office, this is going to all be provided by different players, none of which are owned by the TMC, <clears throat> none of which are owned by the corporate. And so there are so many things where there's so much risk that finger pointing can happen because unless all the links in the chain are ready, none of them are ready. And if all of them can do the entire end to end process, then none of them can do the entire end end process and you have gaps and workarounds and things that you have to live through for a period of time. Yeah, it's really interesting here because we absolutely believe in innovation and yes, disruption, because it's it's really healthy for our industry. I mean, let's just face it. What I think the biggest concern for our clients um, is the lack of real transparency. What does it mean to them? And you mentioned a little bit about finger pointing um, because they want to know how are their negotiated rates going to be available? Are they going to be available? Are they? How are they going to be serviced? How is this TMC? And so what we're hearing and what we're seeing from clients and other discussions is that there's just a, a lot of deflection on this topic. 
And um, I'm curious what you heard about the servicing side and the negotiated rate side for the corporate um, travel managers out there that are maybe talking to some of their airline reps and they're not getting a clear story and they're saying you need to go talk to your TMC or you need to talk to your online booking tool rather than just addressing the questions that they have for them. Yeah, uh, let's break those into two things. One is just the content access and two is the ability to service. So uh, on the content access side, like I was saying, all of the links in the chain have to be ready for the whole thing to be ready. And so that that starts with um, the, the GDS or some other content aggregation me mechanism behind the scenes needs to have a connection with Americans uh, NDC connection. Uh, and they need to have developed to all of the functionality of that NDC connection to be able to support the whole end to end. Now, you can have the GDS completely integrated, but if the booking tool isn't tapped into the GDS for the same content, then, then you have a missing link in the chain and it doesn't flow through. So let's imagine that you are on, you're a client of Travel Inc. and you are, you're on Concur. Uh, Concur has come out and said, look, we're not going to be ready for the implementation of American strategy in April. We're going to work on it. Uh, it's going to take some period of time. We don't know how long it's going to take, but there's going to be some period of, let's call it, let's hope it's months. So let's just call it months. There's going to be a period of months where Americans NDC content is not piping through into Concur. It doesn't matter whether the GDS behind the scenes is ready or not. Um, well, what that what that ends up meaning is is if 40% of the lowest fare content is then not being displayed from American that booking tool um, in markets where you have an overlap between American Delta United, then what that may mean is United and Delta may look comparatively more attractive in the booking tool because their fares will be lower, uh, and the the natural option would be for your travelers to book one of those carriers. Um, if you are a, a, a corporate that's situated in a heavy American market, like a Charlotte or a Dallas or something like that, where those alternatives aren't as plentiful, then what you might find is the fares that you buy are just naturally gonna be going up unless travelers start spilling outside of the program naturally into OTAs or AA.com or something like that. If that's a you know if that's too painful for you know, corporate travel manager for a period of time, they can look at kind of more more drastic options. They could look at uh, a different booking tool that is ready that could consume that content from a GDS, or they could look at going so far as looking at, at another TMC proposition to the extent that the TMC has done some work with their technology stack to become more content source agnostic. But the permutations are are endless, and it all kind of boils down to how much pain you think your own program is going to feel in terms of higher fares or shifting from one carrier or another, and how long you think that's that's going to last. You know, in in my mind, because Concur is saying they're not going to be ready, in my mind that means that you know for the majority of corporate volume in in the U.S. Americans' fares are not going to be there. Uh, the Americans' lowest fares are not going to be there for some extended period of time. 
As we talk about Concur not being ready via the GDS, they have advised that they will be ready via the Travel Fusion integration. I'd love to get your take on what that being ready means as an alternative to GDS and distributing their NDC content. And then I'd like to get your thoughts on the loyalty factor. American just doesn't seem to be putting too much weight on the corporate side, given the revenue from leisure, blended travel happening today, and that corporate may not be completely coming back. Are corporations going to be okay with that? Are they going to look for alternatives? Or do you think they are somewhat confined based upon Americans' dominance in certain paths? That, that's a that's a really interesting question, and, and the use of the word loyalty is really interesting. I'll, I'll answer your question about Concur's access to the API through Travel Fusion first, and then I'll come back to the loyalty point. But yes, you're right, Concur. Uh, so it's the the answer I gave before was in the context of where can you go to get fully fledged access to American Airlines content, and where and where will that fully fledged access be and not be? Concur does have a stopgap solution that it makes available to its clients uh, through an NDC aggregator by the name of Travel Fusion on the back. Uh, on the back end behind the tool. And so what that does is, um, the, the best way to think about it is, if you remember when fiber optics came to your neighborhood and all of a sudden you could get high definition TV and you had access to things like, you know, not just your cable box anymore, but you had Netflix and Disney Plus and all that sort of stuff. Think of think of Travel Fusion like Disney Plus. So it, it's Disney Plus that that kind of sits inside of your concur booking tool that goes out and gets uh, new new and exciting content like American NDC fares. And so uh, what concur can do through Travel Fusion is they can show you the American NDC fares. They can let you book them. Uh, when they're ticketed on the back end, American says that uh, TMCs can still get access to those tickets for servicing purposes. I think just to level set everybody's expectations, those that those servicing flows will probably be a bit complex, a bit clunky for some period of time. Uh, the, the data flows into the back office and things like that might be there, but it might be a different process. It might be a bit clunky, um, but it's a stopgap solution. And so anybody who feels like they're really tied down to Concur, really tied down to the TNC, really tied down to the GDS, whatever it is, um, getting access to American NDC content via Travel Fusion will be an option and it, it won't come with the pain of not having access to lower fares, but it may come with different kinds of pain for some some period of time. Now, the the loyalty point. You know, I, I think it's, and uh, I don't know how much, and I, I'll speak kind of more generically about airlines generally here and not American specifically, but one of the lessons learned coming out of the pandemic, particularly as yields compress between corporate and leisure, is that there's there's comparatively less ROI for $1 spent on an airline's corporate programs by the airline versus $1 spent on the loyalty program. So imagine you're an airline and you've got a billion dollars to invest in driving traveler behavior, and you can split that billion dollars between investing in corporate and TMC programs and investing in your loyalty program in order to drive behavior. I think one of the lessons coming out of the pandemic is that it's more it's it's probably more profitable for an airline to invest more in their own loyalty program than in their their TMC and their corporate discounting programs. 
And it's not, it's never binary. It's not like we're not doing TMC and corporate programs anymore and we're only doing loyalty. It's all about degrees. And so coming into the pandemic, the pendulum had shifted way in, in favor of TMC and corporate programs in order to drive behavior. Um, if you're American Airlines in particular and you're feeling like that's a game that Delta was mainly winning, uh, you know, you, you could be excused coming out of the pandemic to think, well, I could pay a lot of money and, and be second place to De Delta or I could pay a lot less money and be second place to Delta. And so what would you do? Um, that's, a, you know, being a little bit tongue in cheek, but, but that kind of puts into context why an airline might want to kind of scale back the TMC commission, scale back corporate discounting, have a distribution strategy that's a little bit more uh, airline.com focused than perhaps it's been in the past, all to drive more touch points with the individual travelers themselves. So um, American Airlines has drawn a line in that proverbial sand. You mentioned some of the other airlines. What do you see as the next steps for some of the other major carriers? Yeah, I, you know, the way I tell this story is it's like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, you know, where one porridge was too hot, one was too cold, and one was just right. And, you know, maybe for some people's taste, the American strategy is a bit too hot. Um, if you were to talk to most airlines in the world, they may tell you that Delta's strategy is a little bit too cold. Uh, you know, Delta has not rocked the boat and has been very TMC friendly and corporate friendly for a long time uh, to their benefit. It's been a great strategy for, for the one airline. Um, and then kind of right in the middle, you've got United Airlines. And United Airlines has made a lot of the same progress with NDC from a technology perspective as American has. And has even raised the bar in some respects as it relates to automated servicing and servicing uh, portable servicing between channels. You can book on united.com and have it fairly seamlessly serviced by your TMC. And so United uh, actually is pretty well positioned um, to kind of follow in behind American without perhaps ruffling quite as many feathers. Uh, and as American makes progress with technology in the market, uh, United has all the bones and its strategy to kind of come along behind and get some of the, the same benefits without having to apply the same levers. So, um, you know, there's a question mark as to what, if any, ROI American might have on its strategy. I think United's ROI is going to be pretty positive. As we wrap up this incredible discussion, um, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Well, the last thing I would say, Tracy, is uh, I think everybody should give American just a little bit of a break. Uh, for whatever reason, the way this industry is set up is that typically American has to go first if there's going to be any major change uh, because of this Goldilocks thing that I just explained. Uh, and what airlines have learned over the last 10, 15, 20 years is you can add whatever value add content you want. You can offer to pay people lots of money to use NDC, but at the end of the day, the only thing that really motivates people is access to low fares. So somebody was gonna to have to do it. It was probably gonna to have to be American. We were all going to have to go through a, a transition anyway as an industry. We'll get through the end of it okay. Uh, nobody's gonna get a rash during the process, but it will be a little bit painful in the interim, but we'll get there. Just hang in there. Okay, I appreciate that.
I think that for a lot of our clients and others that are listening, it's about getting the answers to the questions they need. So yes, ask the hard questions so that you can understand clearly the short-term and potentially longer-term aspects that might impact your program. I think it's good there's movement in the industry and that we are all here for the ride. Let's see what happens and work together, understand together, and most definitely make it happen together. We just need to put that plan in place and move on and carry on. And with that, Corey, thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you have, for having me in. It was, uh, it was a fantastic time, really enjoyed the discussion. If you'd like to learn more about T2RL, we have linked to their website, t2rl.com. I love it when companies keep it simple. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast, Your Window Seat, available on all major streaming channels. For information about us, Travel Incorporated, go to www.travelink.com and follow us on our social channels. We look forward to the next episode. And as always from Travel Incorporated, safe travels.